0: My name is Ivan Dayton. I go to Procon High School, and you're listening to 615 Preps Podcast.
1: And a pleasant hello to you, wherever you may be. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Uh, Chris Brooks alongside Scott Burton and Christian Capozzi. Fellas, say hello. What's up? Hey, we hit week number eight. And a lot of you are on a fall break, so a lot of you have no excuse for not listening to us at this point.
2: You
3: got <laughs> long trips to the beach, Disney, wherever you, can get, you are. You can get caught up. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: go for a long walk. I
1: mean, you you,
3: start with the
2: season preview and
3: hope it's worth your way in. Yeah. If you've got
1: iTunes, you've got Spotify, you got Google Podcasts, wherever you might listen to, subscribe, like us, rate us, you know, listen to us. And then look, you can yell at us.
3: Even if the family's not really interested in listening to ball. They're gonna fall asleep at some point. Just turn it on while they're sleeping and right. go with it.
2: Absolutely. And hey, all you all you, uh, advertisers out there, we do actually have listeners, and we can you know we definitely are looking for uh, more advertisers. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, midstateprepsplus at gmail is the email for that. You can find me at cbrookstn tn on Twitter. You can find Scott at at mpp Scott and Christian at cp That's k
3: a p o s y eighteen
1: doesn't matter if there's a short schedule. We've got a good show anyway for this week. Plenty to talk about. We've got some games from last week that we want to get into. A couple of big news items that we're really going to talk about, and then afterwards, who you got as usual. So, but first off, Christian, we're recording this on Monday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, happy Thank birthday. Appreciate what are you, like 41?
3: Uh yeah minus twenty okay all right <laughs> good enough oh well. really
2: twenty one yes
3: uh-huh. oh, wow yes congratulations uh-huh. yeah had a big day went and got my driver's
2: license renewed woo! huge
3: day
1: woo <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond
3: <laughs> uh, yeah
1: <laughs> not sure if you're gonna have enough time no no <laughs> some of you will get that reference I hope you do anyway we move on um, let's go back to week seven real quick Scott you're at, e- at Pro Cone East Nashville at Pro Cone uh, Firebirds come away with a big defensive shutout. Oh yeah, it was it, it was a an
2: electric atmosphere. I mean, every, uh, several uh, outlet, media outlets were there. Uh, it was the game in Nashville. Uh, it was a tough game, all game. Pearl was missing uh, their starting quarterback, Martino Owens, a wide receiver, and in uh, 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 Baron Brown and Cedric Watson, a slot back and cornerback. So they were going in already uh, down some players. And neither team really could sustain a drive in the first half they, they uh really if drives if, if first downs were made, a lot of them were on penalties you know uh, I'm, there wasn't too many extracurricular there were a couple of late hits and things like that, but nothing malicious nothing. I think the referees did a good job of keeping you know everything between the hash marks there or between the sidelines excuse me and uh so it was really, really interesting uh the key to the second half was field position. One really good drive by, by Pearl. They drive down the field. They get a punch in from Breed Love for two yards out. After that, East Nashville had a hard time getting out of their side of the field. Uh, you know, they pinned them deep. Pearl pinned them deep and wouldn't let them up. The defense that we thought was in this game was going to be the defense was actually Pearl Cone, their defense. But let me tell you something. There's somebody took that second half over, and that somebody was about five foot one, five foot two, and that's Ivan Dayton. This kid has the quicks, and he started to run. I think he ended up running for 120 yards, uh, 126. He's 20 carries, 126, and a touchdown. He put the game away on a 20-yard run, where he was actually going right got hung up in the backfield, spun out of two, three tackles, and then darted around the left side and outran everybody in the end zone. This kid really had he was the biggest player on the field for being five one five two. I mean, it it and after that, it took that long really for them to the Eagles get uh, Starling into the game, their their top wide receiver. And then if I was, you know, they started throwing him the ball. Now I don't know whether something changed in the way they were you know, going after or some, I'm not really sure. But then they started to move the ball, but by then it was too late. We talked to Ivan Dayton, and here's what he had to say. Big region game, both come in undefeated. How did you prepare this week for this
0: game? Um, At the beginning of the week, we had a lot of adversities. Um, A few of our star players, they couldn't play for some reasons, and all we had to do was work together. We got got the job done, undefeated.
2: Right, and after, uh, it was tied, nothing, nothing at halftime. You guys went into the locker room. You had moved the ball a little bit, but it was really a, a defensive battle. What did, what did y'all do at halftime to, to try to take control of the game?
0: Um, we realized we had a slow start at the beginning of the first half. So, it, during halftime, we realized that we needed to work together as a team and we realized um, the flaws of each defense and we just locked down and played ball. Awesome. Now, tell me about, the, walk me through
2: that uh, touchdown. You were almost down. You spun out of about two tackles. I thought you were going to leave your shirt out there. It, <laughs> and it was a great run. Tell me about that run.
0: Um, It was all instincts. I, I, I really don't know what i would be doing out there. It was all instincts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great,
2: great run. I'll tell you what, um, great win. Enjoy this fall break for you guys, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so rest up, and uh, hey, Good luck on the rest of the season. Thank
1: you. It's a huge win for Pearl Cone because they now take over control of that region. They have the inside track on both the region and home field advantage all the way through the quarterfinals. And if they see East Nashville again in the third round, they'd have to do it at Pearl Cone, which is a huge boon for the Firebirds and and for head coach Tony Brunetti, who we also talked to after the game.
2: Big win, region win. You're undefeated. Uh... What did you do to get – I mean, this is a East National team that had a very
0: solid defense. What did you do this week to prepare for them? Uh, our biggest thing is just do what we do. You know, uh, we, we had to make adjustments because we had some kids out this week and uh, we had to make some adjustments. And the kids rallied around that the quarterback that had to play tonight. They rallied around him. who adjusted to his talents. He might not be the thrower, He can't throw. This, this is a big game. Him to play that game and not panic. He really didn't panic. He did good tonight. And for him to hold us down and, and do his job, I, I give cruels to him. You know what I'm saying, but the kids rally, We adjusted to what he does well. He runner. We put a like lot more power packages in. We we came with a plan that would help us be successful without the guys we lost.
2: When you in the second half, you re, your defense really asserted themselves too. I mean, you you flip field position. You kept East Nashville in in negative territory, uh, forced some bad plays, and and then you were able to take charge. And what do you? What, what did your defense do? Uh, did they do anything differently? Did you play um, anything differently? If you
0: look at it, really pay attention to us. We, we probably averaged about plus five turnovers a game or and, – and probably – I mean, that kid, that kid, Deshaun Wade, you know, 55 is a he, he's not 1st team off-state or nothing. Right. He might not be looked like nothing. You see him, you're like, yeah, long that, man? Is that a kid that's out of state You look at him, he's like kid. He, he's a throwback of the 50s. You watch his uniform, he don't care about looking pretty. He is a throwback football person on the 50s. And they stuck the plays. <laughs> it showed Mike he, yeah. by, he probably had about five seconds Yeah, five, I mean seven. that
2: that was the thing. It was both both teams uh, really getting after the quarterback, uh, really disrupting plays. Uh, but it, it seemed like once you got that lead and you were able to hold them in territory, your got your offense started
0: to click. Yeah, I mean last year, last week at Hillsboro, we went down by no, two good touchdowns. Our defense made a big play and then the offense got a short yard and they scored. That was it, and everybody got to go in again. You know, uh, it's a team effort, man. Uh, but one thing I, we had to realize as a staff when we came back this offseason, my staff is wonderful, y'all. Y'all was saying they do a great job coaching, man. I love that. We've been together for a while. You know, we came back, regrouped last year. I mean, we got upset. Regrouped individually, regrouped as a, as a staff. You know, pointing out things we got to work on individually or what we don't like in our group. You know, we made we, we been, we it. And we came back this spring, came with a good weight program. Kids bought in because we knew we were gonna be young and we hit the weight room and they, worked, and they worked and they worked and they worked. And it paid off because we in way better shape than we ever been this early in the year. You know, and, and the weight room sometimes the young kids they hit it, they work. I, I think we shocked everybody. Yeah, you can tell. I mean you really can tell the effort that you your coach
2: staff has put in oh, this yeah. year with you with the results that are on the field. I mean, yeah. the results of everything that you've done are on the field. And now you get a week off. You get a yeah. uh, fall
0: break. We still gonna work out. We still got to we'll, we'll work out about three days, probably. About, we'll go from 8 to 11. About three days. Work. and some work. Heal know. our bodies. Heal yeah. our bodies. It ain't about, really for about healing our bodies. Right. Keeping our weeding up. But I'm still getting them some time. They got to take a break. Give them right. a little vacation. Yeah, give them about a week. You got yeah. one, White's Creek coming up in
2: two weeks? Homecoming, so. yeah. Home, is that homecoming? Yeah. Okay. So, well,
0: um, Metro... This is Metro football at its finest. This is the first time, I think, probably uh, many, many years that Metro is playing out of Metro. You know, for a long time, you know, we really couldn't find those games. But I, I, a lot of people reached out and said, let's go. Let's play each other. Let's see Let's bring it back home. So we all start playing each other this year. Uh, and I think it's,
2: it's really a good thing because I think it brings it – you know, it's a nice rivalry across town, but it brings people together
0: too. Oh, we're gonna see. Look, we're gonna see. We're gonna see a team again in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't don't say they. They're a good team. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying, but we're gonna see them again in, in the playoffs. And, uh, and uh, get ready, you'll see. You'll see Stratton again in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You see Dallas County probably in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You probably see Washburn. You don't know. You still got that, that division. Kind of crazy yeah. right there, too. Right. You know, yes. us and probably Easter too. You know. But he still got pitched back. Yeah. And that's a rival. That's a rivalry. You don't know what can go any kind of way.
2: Uh, this gives you kind of a leg up in,
0: in the, uh, yeah, in the region. I'll tell you something. I don't take nobody like that. I, I got beat by Stratford in that game. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we took. Staff, kids, everybody. That balls on me. You know what I'm saying? That never happened. We'll never take anybody like that again. Mm-hmm.
1: So the next one on the list, Brentwood goes to Independence and knocks off the Eagles 24-7.
3: Classic Region 6 6 eight game. Two teams that put up a bunch of points, and then they get together, and it's 24-7. to seven. Uh, Every time a big Region game happens here, it comes down to who's got the better defense, and the Bruins prove it. And they also have a really good quarterback to go along. Kate Granzow, just great numbers once again. 20 for 30, 206 yards, a uh, couple touchdowns, and also 77 rushing yards. Guy just gets it done, just flat out.
1: Let's mention there's a really cool clip of Grand Zal throwing a touchdown pass underhanded. Uh, Charles yeah. Polyam of the Williamson Herald had that video on, on social media. It was a really good shot, and ESPN Sports Center picked it up as well. So, oh, did they? Yeah, they did. And yeah, they, I
3: mean, and that's one of the things, too, is just obviously if you're a coach, you're thinking on the sideline, what is he doing until your teammate catches it and goes, oh, great play. Yeah. But just a guy like that that makes plays, something's happening. Put the ball in a little bit of a danger, I guess, when you flip it 10 yards underhand. But and just guy, guys make plays. And is oh. one of the, one of those guys that you just – he's hard to bring down. He, he's a bigger quarterback. And then you got him passing it and then 77 rushing yards. He's yeah. just, like I said, all year long, one of those three prime-time quarterbacks in that region. And you know what? Brentwood's on a really good track now uh, to have home
2: playoff uh, for that region. I think the key play in this game was when it's 7-7, seven seven, two minutes left, Brentwood drives the length of the field down to the two. I know you got what you guys are going to say. Yeah, of course, I'm going to bring this up. But they drive down and they get down the two and they kick a field goal. So they go into the half up three. So, and once again, you know, offense makes a really good play and special teams puts them up. And that's a big momentum change.
1: It's huge for Brentwood because now – they are a win over Franklin away from clinching that region title. They won't even have to worry about the last week to, to do that. So, yeah. you know, Independence has to beat
2: Ravenwood, if I'm not mistaken, to get a home playoff game if they want
1: one. That's correct, yep. And those two will, will face off in week 11. So you know, that's going to be a big game in, in the last week of the regular season. Uh, next one, you know, I don't know if we saw this one coming or not. I don't think anybody did. CPA took out Lipscomb Academy 28-7.
2: You know, for a team with only two wins, the Lions look pretty good. Uh, if you look at their opponents, their opponents' record thus far is like 34-12. and 12. Uh, their, you know, their defense had four interceptions. Uh, you know, their offense controlled the clock. They really took this game over and away from Lipscomb. And you
3: talk about controlling the clock. That's what you had to do against Lipscomb. You see all the points that they put up in weeks prior. 247 of their 328 total yards were on the ground. You establish a ground game like that, you're not giving Lipscomb Academy many chances on offense. And for some reason, CPA and thankfully they do it. They just they play really well at region games. Yep. In the non-region games, they're playing really tough teams. And beginning of the year, like, wow, this is, it's hard to believe CPA's falling off like this. But now they're, you said, two wins. And you're like, wow, they're a really good team. Yeah.
2: Well, it, well Lipscomb didn't, didn't help themselves either with, uh, you know, 72 yards and penalties and turnovers and, and things like that.
3: That might be a, an eye-opening one, though, for Lipscomb Academy. A, a good time to have it. Obviously, losing a region game is not good. But mid little midway through that season, the, the Mustangs haven't had really many things to, to correct or they've been winning so many games. And that might be a good one for Coach Trent Dilfer to have something to say, all right, guys, look, we got a big one coming November 1st to close out the year on. Mm-hmm. That might be a one against CPA that Mustangs might want to lose it, but probably good for them.
1: Unfortunate for Lipscomb Academy, though, because they're pretty much out of the region title race with that loss because CPA has two games left, and they have the tiebreaker over Lipscomb Academy. So, uh, and the thing about CPA, we might as well just stop talking about them as a two-win team because they're yeah. better than that.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and as far as NFL quarterbacks turned head coaches, it's still Engel Martin's town. <laughs> it is for now anyway,
1: but the playoffs, we may see that different. Yeah. They
3: don't even have to have any pregame content or anything. <laughs> That's <laughs> <this is> true. <laughs>
1: Another one that we kind of were split on last week was Page and Summit. And, and Page comes out of this one with a 24-14 win and looked pretty impressive doing it.
3: Well, Summit had some bad luck early on. Their quarterback, Destin Wade, got hurt on the third yeah. snap of the game. And that guy's a playmaker. I saw him this year. They had to move his brother Keaton at quarterback. And I just I, I highly doubt he's the same kind of athlete. He's much bigger. It was a lot of running for him the rest of the way. He ran for 173 yards and two touchdowns. But I think at that point the Spartans were just really limited on their passing game. And you know what? And Page takes advantage of it, limits Summit to 47 passing yards, and that defense clamps down once again. Page is giving up 15 points a game. Mm-hmm. So I, as much as we talk about Summit, Page is a, a really good
2: team as well. Well, any time you limit your opponents to 14 yards passing, you know, it definitely – losing their quarterback definitely had an impact. Uh, you know, you know, with they, you know, it, it's still anybody's game with like eight minutes to go, really. So it's not like Summit didn't play well; they did, and they played a slow down type of game. But uh, you know, again, Bubba Johnson, you know, kicks it in and takes over, and, and you know, Page, they just had, you know, oh Summit had way too many penalties too. They had seventy five yards worth of penalties. I heard them.
1: This was a one-score game until the final moments when Page hit the field goal to put it away by 10. So, you know, Summit had their chances to get this win. It doesn't kill them as far as the region title is concerned. It doesn't help them that they lost this game. But Page still has three region games to go, including Columbia, which will not be a cakewalk for them.
3: And hopefully for Summit they get Destin Wade, their quarterback, back because that's really the reason they kind of changed that offense. They were Mm -hmm. all wing T and stick to the run game. When you had a sophomore quarterback like that, that's why they – Coach Coleman opened that offense up, went to the spread. So they really need him back as soon as possible to keep doing what they were doing offensively.
1: So let's go ahead and and pick our player of the week. Uh, Scott, What you throw the first one out.
2: I'm going to throw the first one out. It's going to be Alex Broom from Maplewood. 25 for 181 and three touchdowns rushing plus an interception and eight tackles.
1: Okay. I will put up Sean Casey from Franklin Road Academy. 10 carries, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. Also 12 of 14 passing for 145 yards and three more scores through the air.
2: I'll go Guy Lipscomb, 271 yards rushing, 54 yards receiving. So that's 325 yards of his team's 508 total yards, Uh, a rushing TD, and an interception.
1: I'm going to take James Moore from Stratford. We've talked about this kid a couple of times. He's been close, hadn't gotten it yet. 12 carries, 239 yards, five total touchdowns. And I'll finish with uh, Kobe Ford, Trialsdale County. Eight carries,
2: 140 yards, and three touchdowns, plus an interception, plus a blocked PAT in their win over
1: East Robertson. My last one, big game on television last week. Jay Sean Parks from Beach, 271 rushing yards and four touchdowns and a big win over Hillsborough. Ooh. Christian, you've heard him.
3: It's a lot of numbers there. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of numbers.
2: numbers. A lot Number salad going on there.
3: Really liked Lipscomb at, to begin with, but then I, you threw out the – was it Moore? Did James you, Moore from Stratford. Yeah, he had some really good numbers. Uh, that was an all-around. I, I think I like him for uh, this week's Player of the Week.
1: Okay. Stratford's James Moore gets our Player of the Week honors. Thank you, Christian, for that. And uh, we will take a break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the 615 Preps Podcast. Hi, my name is Kay Granzo,
2: and I play for Greenwood High School, and you're listening to the 615
1: Preps podcast. Hey, just a reminder that Mid
2: State Preps Plus is looking for you. We currently have openings for sponsors on both the Mid State Preps Plus website and the 615 Preps podcast. Contact us at midstateprepsplus at gmail.com for more details. Let everyone know our thoughts go out to Rockvale uh, head coach Rick Rice on the severe injuries suffered by his son, Austin, in a horrible car crash last Tuesday. He and his family are certainly in our prayers.
1: Well said, Scott. Uh, Back here on the 615 Preps podcast, uh, this segment we've got a couple of news items we want to kind of touch on. Obviously, Coach Rick Rice and his family are are definitely one of those items. And I hope for all the best for Coach Rice and his son and his family in this this tough situation. I want to touch on one huge story, Glenn Cliff. Temporarily had shut down its football program for the remainder of the season last Tuesday. Turns out they wound up coming back in the day after. They intend to finish the season but they're going to monitor their roster size from week to week. Guys, we mentioned earlier in the season about some teams possibly needing to drop down to eight-man football because of roster sizes. I, I kind of think Lincliff fits that mold.
3: This is a, different, a difficult story to kind of talk about because there's so many different angles. There was the whole Glencliff not having enough players, and then all of a sudden Metro tries to come out and make a rule about, oh, you can't go to practice or whatever. That might be another discussion another time. It's, it's tough for these national schools because the, it's so diverse now, the student population. You've got students that have never played football, mm-hmm. have no interest in football, or if they are now playing, you're teaching a brand-new game to a, a very limited amount of, of players. So it's very difficult that, because these schools are so populated, metro's such a such a huge region for students. These teams are putting in; they're playing in five A, and they don't need to be there. there. There's no way they compete with those schools.
2: No, it really it's not. If my, and from what I understand, I've read this from uh, multiple sources, so it's hard for me to reach out and actually document which one. But uh, they used a co-op prep academy to build up their preseason numbers yep. to get them yep. up to about forty-seven. When mm-hmm. in actuality. They weren't near that number if i'm not mistaken yeah
1: stem prep academy was the is the school and we're talking about here to, to help with the co-op
2: so what was the intention of using that uh were they expecting those are those players actually on the team I, now Do it you...
1: does not appear to be that way it's a charter school that co-ops with Blankliff. so it's it remains to be seen if any of those players are still on the team but they were down to 17 at one point and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I heard that they had eight players at practice last Monday, which prompted this decision to begin with.
2: That That's what I heard as well. And I mean, it really feels like, you know, that this football team is really being, uh, you know, fielded for reasons that aren't necessarily about football to me. Uh, my understanding is that the rule is, you know, once you once you start the football season, that if you don't finish that, then it affects the postseason for basketball
1: yeah it, they are linked together um, they would have been removed from the basketball postseason had they not finished the football year it's kind of a tough situation with the TWSAA that has to do with that but yeah it's a tough thoughts?
3: spot like i was saying they have no business playing in the classification no. they're in but the problem is you can't just start going around granting people you know what you don't need to be there we'll knock you down a couple of classifications because then everybody's going to have to have that treatment and they're going you know you're not going to list as many players so it's hard to think of a, a resolution here.
2: Yeah, but but here's my issue. My issue is player safety. And I think I've made my point clear on that. Is you know is the chi- the the safety of the children and that's what these 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 are children still. These are still children. Okay? We're the adults. They're the children. What gets me is that you're holding students now hostage to a football program that it appears only eight people want to play by, by threatening another sport with it. So now you're forcing those players out on the field, players who aren't, gonna, who aren't equipped to play, who may not understand the game. They may be in different positions because all you're trying to do is roll fresh bodies out there to finish a season. That, to me, really, really screams something's wrong here.
1: Yeah, I agree with that point. I also am okay with the TWA holding basketball as a chip in this situation because if you don't have some sort of punishment for not completing the season, then a lot more teams are going to play with that system and try to game it.
3: Well, we've already had forfeits this year, and I know there's been some – they said it was academic, eligibility, whatever it was. If you had enough players or if you even wanted to go play the team. Right. Have, yeah.
1: Because, I mean, you might have a team that's severely undermanned that has a, a power on its schedule that doesn't feel like it can compete, doesn't feel like it can play against them, and then they'll start ducking them. I'm not saying that they won't but or they will, but it, I. I I'm just saying. I
2: I, I get it. I I do. I understand. It's a hard, you know, as Christian said, there's no easy solution here. But this here is where the grown-ups, the administration, has to have a realistic understanding of what they're they're proposing at the beginning of the year. If they're having to fluff up their numbers in order to field a team, they know there's a problem already. And do you go – I don't know what the lead time is. I don't know whether you have to give the TWSAA uh, a couple of years to notice or what, or whether you just can't start the season. Oh,
1: another solution could be what White County did. White County's not playing a region schedule at all. They're just finding teams that need a game here and there, and they can compete a little bit better in that situation and not be beaten up as badly. Because Glencliffe's in a region, they're going to get they're getting beaten up already. Yeah, with the teams they're playing, they're playing Beach, playing Gallatin, they're playing Hillsboro. Now, those are teams that are roughing them up pretty badly. And, and I get that the kids may not want to come back after seeing losses like that. But, you know, where do you find the solution? I mean, is it is it pulling a white county and playing an independent-type schedule? Is it dropping to eight-man football at some point? What's the answer?
2: That's exactly. and And each situation is going to be different, of course. Uh, I just don't you know at some point somebody has to look at this situation and say we've got to figure something out because something is definitely wrong here with the way that our our thinking is I understand about holding programs accountable I do I get it because you're right you would just tank games you know you're going to lose you know and there are other people that there's a whole other school involved with investing in you know the games and and things of that nature. There's no there's no easy solution. So that falls upon the administration going into the season, what they want to do.
1: And Metro's under enough scrutiny as it is, and we're not really sure that uh, I'm not really sure that they can be necessarily trusted to do that at this point.
3: They may not be. Well, and the thing one thing is that this is the first one we heard of, and I think it might be the first of many to come. And you just look around the scores every Friday night; it, it's not pretty. Even in 6A, the three metro schools really struggling in uh, in Region 5, 6A, Cane Ridge, the outlier there. But there's so many schools that I, I think you've got the numbers. I think a big thing is you're playing in these classifications where every Friday night you have little to no chance. When you've got to go to Beach, you got to go to Gallatin, you got to go play Hillsborough. They just have – they They have no shot, no shot and if if you're a senior or if you're a player on that team, go wow here here's another fifty sixty point loss It's that, hard to go to practice every day knowing, hey, you got the one of the best teams in five a m beach coming up. good luck what what's the reason to going to practice you know
2: right but and and I don't wanna and I don't wanna think of this as solely as a metro problem because there are plenty of other schools in the suburbs and in the in the uh rural areas that that do have these issues. But this is exactly why we talked about eight-man football. This is exactly why we talked about you know, doing what was best for the, for the kids. And it just seems to me like in this situation, we seem to be failing them somehow.
1: Yeah. We're going to keep talking about this because I believe personally that this is a byproduct of the TWSAA's overextending the number of classifications. They've gone way too far with the number of classes in this state for what it is. And, and, and we'll touch on this probably actually we'll touch on this next week.
3: And, and I, we touched on several different sides. Also feel for the, just the eight guys that were out there practice. I mean yeah, those, yeah, absolutely. those are the ones most committed at this yes. point.
2: And, and, and I agree, and if that's the case, then by all means, don't have a season and give and maybe co-op with another school yep. or something that. Let those eight players go play where they can play and actually be competitive right. and actually be protected.
1: It's it's a tough story to even have to talk about, uh, and hopefully Glencliff can finish the season and not have to forfeit any games. That's the that's the ideal scenario here, and then, then they can reevaluate after the season's over. But like we said, it's a week-to-week thing at this point.
2: Well, we're in week seven now, so hopefully they can maintain for the late, you know, for the last run here.
1: Yeah.
2: Eh. And a good thing is schools know what's coming with them too. Yeah. So they maybe they can plan for it. Uh, maybe roll out, you know, roll their starters out for. Maybe the first quarter, second quarter, and then roll some
1: and there are options for coaches, like if they want to shorten the quarters or maybe keep a running clock continuously to to try to, to mitigate some of these some of these circumstances. Those are those are available options to coaches and we'll see maybe what some of them decide to do later on. Yeah,
2: but the good news is that for the most part coaches underst- are the ones who understand. For the most part, and I yeah. know you're gonna get into something in a minute, uh they're the ones who understand what they're trying to do with the kids. Yeah.
1: Now, we mentioned coaching. Another story coming out of last week was the suspension of Ravenwood head coach Matt Daniels and assistant coach assistant coach Ryan Fowler, also a former Tennessee Titan who, who works for Daniels over at Ravenwood. Both those coaches have been suspended indefinitely for what Williamson County Schools is calling inappropriate participation at a practice. Now, the term is, is kind of vague because, first off, What's being reported in that com was the one who first broke this story that uh, Fowler actually put on shells and had contact with a player at practice and injured the player, and they were out several days of school because of it. Uh, apparently, this has not been the first time that they've done this. It's been kind of going on, and, and the kids are okay with it, but you know the wrong person sees it and reports it.
2: I'm still trying to understand how if – the player that was injured initiated contact, how they got a concussion i mean it's it's i mean yeah, you can run into a brick wall with your helmet and 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 do that and let's face it, this is a former titan it's just kind of interesting to see what the purpose of being out there was
3: when i and I tell you this one way he gets a concussion when you run into a what i think he's thirty seven year old yeah. n f l player yeah
2: yeah that's that's a problem
3: it's you're putting your players at Jeopardy and I believe the player was a sophomore so obviously it's not like he's a he's a senior he's been in the weight room that long at at Ravenwood look I get it as a from both sides you're giving your players an opportunity to to go against a, a live action you're not putting a blocking dummy out there and I I would think from a player standpoint it's kind of cool like oh man oh, I'm, yeah. pra- I'm practicing with an ex NFL player
2: I tell you when in uh, 1983 the Falcons well, the whole NFL was on strike. The Atlanta Falcons came to our high school, and they worked out now they weren't permitted necessarily to play with us, and they didn't practice with us actually, but it was cool to be out there among your heroes and the a former- so as a kid, you know you know a football player, you get excited about that yeah uh,
3: there's there's just a boundary here though uh, I think you know you you give a coach a, a helmet or whatever he had on and going up against a, a, a you know he, he's probably a smaller guy whoever he's going up against i think one for the school for the coach that's a liability yep. mm-hmm. you you can't be just going under and look there's practice drills all the time where coaches are holding pads and they're, right. they're giving they're giving the the, the oh, player yeah. a nice jolt or they they're giving it back to him a little bit yeah. but but you can't go in a hole and duck your head and, no. and he that look we got to make sure we say this he wasn't out to hurt the guy.
2: No, 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 no. no he no, was. He no. was there.
3: He's just there for practice purposes.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was nothing uh, when I played to to get, like you said, the pad and then eat a little bit of dirt where the coach pushes yeah. you down into yeah. the, into the grass. Um, what gets me, and, and
1: here's a good question. You know, they're
2: defining this as what kind of participation?
1: Inappropriate participation. How do you define that? Well, that's the question. This is not a TWSTW violation, right? Because Coaches and other sports participate in practice like baseball or basketball. You go layup drills or whatever. Yeah, uh, set a pick. Right. And yeah. you do instruction by actually actively participating in the practice. What happens the next time a
2: coach is actually batting fungo and line drives a kid in the head? Right. Or uh, in soccer, uh, you know, the, you're running goalie drills and you drill, you know, and, and guilty, um, yeah. drill your goalie in the face with a, yeah. With a kick. Uh, yeah. It was okay, it was my daughter, but, you know... (laughs) 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 I didn't know where that
3: was
1: going. That came out of nowhere.
2: Uh, But, well, I mean, what I'm saying is I'm guilty of it, too, because nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks about you're going to get hurt in practice. This was, I don't think this was anything intentional. I don't think it was anything, uh, I don't think this was anything anybody really thought could happen. But it did.
3: I think though, if you're Coach Daniels and that's your program, like like you said you, you're not imagining that happening, but you just have to just think on the other side of, man, if something does happen, and the thing that this this wasn't talked about, it was like two and a half weeks afterwards, right? That that, that first came out. Oh, really? And yeah. you know I, I what? Didn't, I missed that. Yeah, yeah this you know was what?
1: before the Brentwood game.
3: Yeah, and from what I've what I've heard and read, like the student mess or missed several right. weeks of school. Yeah. And oh, that, wow. that becomes a problem of not just missing practice. Yes. He wasn't even at school. Right. And so I, I think, and, you know, for a program that we've already talked some stuff about what they've had going on with the Memphis thing and several other stories, it's just not a risk you can take. And as, a, as the head coach, you're in charge of everything. You're in charge, yeah. of, you're in charge of your players, your assistants. I just – I don't see how you can let your, your guy go out there – and possibly put your players in jeopardy. And we've said it; that wasn't the intent, and that's not that's not the idea of. Oh, the, they probably weren't thinking at the time. This this could be really bad. But just just in case your your grown assistant coach injures a player, mm-hmm. just just not a good look. Whether there's a rule
1: about it or not, right? right. And, and now it brings into question what happens with that coaching staff for the rest of the season if this investigation goes on for any length of time, you know?
2: Or going forward, I yeah. mean. You know, the, the, there are other. You know, the future of this program—not not the school, but the the coaching, coaching staff—definitely staff is is in question right now. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and look, they got the job done last week and won heavily over Dixon County. But coach was there, put in the game plan. You just wonder how long is the decision going to be made. Because, look, I don't want to pile on Dixon County here, but you kind of give them a, a pass with Ravenwood. You could have – probably none of the coaches could have been on the sideline. The guys would have gotten it together in time. I just I, – I don't see how quickly a decision is going to be made here because this, this is a problem. This is a – and especially with the kids' health. I think that's yeah. where it all comes back to is one – and even the score, school board kind of said they didn't – nobody told them.
2: And, and, and this may be the one thing that – that does from a legal standpoint kind of exonerate the coaching staff is that there was no rule for this. There was no, yeah, we, we sit here and say, you know, it's common sense, but I had a teacher once tell me that good sense is never common. Right. And yeah, there's no, there's no rule that technically was broken. No. Other than the rule of you should not have done that.
1: Yeah. From a state perspective, they're, they're in the clear for now um, right. from a, county-wide school system perspective, other than not, and that's that's where the problem comes for that coaching staff. It's whatever the county finds and decides they want to do with them.
2: Right. Now, had had the TWSAA, had, had they pushed for suspension here, I would have found a tremendous fault with that, uh, just simply because if it's too dangerous to put an NFL player out there in practice against a high school kid, whether it be a senior, junior, or whatnot, and because you're talking about an overdeveloped player or a, a finely tuned athlete against a high school kid then going back to and this goes back to the Glencliff thing then it's definitely too dangerous to have an eighth grade student out there playing against seniors especially if they're playing against Oakland or any of one of the Rutherford County schools or any of the any of the Division two schools so it's a hypocrisy to push for one and not the other
1: That's a good point.
3: I get your point there. I think the big difference there, eighth grade to senior, is probably five years difference. The senior to this coach is twenty years difference, and 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 it, we bring back the whole idea of he played in the NFL, and you know NFL, you're pre- yeah. pretty good shaped dude. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I, I, I've seen some of the Oakland
1: players; <laughs> they're not <laughs> yeah. far from it. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean,
3: if, if your team that plays, if your team that plays eighth graders, I. You know, and, and we've already gotten to the point just this past one about yep. teams got to have them. Some, sure. some teams rely on eighth graders to field a team.
2: Oh, well, yeah. I know one that's got a quarterback that's an eighth grader yeah. right now. But uh, I can just I can just tell you, standing next to Jack Jones at, on Oakland's field, I, I felt entirely small. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he was a big, big – he is yeah. a big, big guy. Yeah.
3: I don't want to talk about, too, about how this lays out, though, for Ravenwood – They've got three non-region games coming up. Yeah. So for a team perspective, for those players, it's going to give their, this the the school board and whoever's involved in the decision a little bit of time. They've got one last region game. That's November first. So until they get to the you know a, a really big game against Independence, a lot about that's a possibly for home field. Yep. In the playoffs. For those right. pl-
1: for those players, they're going to want a decision by then yeah. to know what their coaching staff is going to be able to do in the postseason.
2: Well. Yeah, and you don't want to speculate on on uh, what we think the prospects will be. But, uh, you know, at, at some point they're going to have to make that decision.
3: And, and the thing, too, is interesting with the whole story is that, like, Fowler's history with Ravenwood, defense coordinator, left, went somewhere else, came back as a volunteer assistant. And I think the whole volunteer assistant's yeah. a little weird about that now, too. I th-
2: yeah, and I think part of that is because he left as a defensive coordinator and all of a sudden – who they brought into that coordinator position. You're actually seeing some chirps and and things from other programs. I actually saw that. I'm not going to say which program it was that was calling into question some of the coaching practices over at that school. Now, whether that I – mean, I, I think that that is, one, it's a little premature for that, and, two, I think it's a bad look for your program if you're trying to tear down another one. Yep. So
3: – It's just – it's not a good look for a really good 6A team yep. – uh, I mean, they, they they did lose the game to Brentwood, but still one of the the better, best teams in the 6A round with a lot of talent.
2: I think the best thing about this is that the appropriate people are being reprimanded. Yeah. The
1: it, the kids aren't. It's not a good look all around for high school football. It just no, isn't. Agreed. And And it's something that we'll keep an eye on as the weeks go, and, and maybe we'll get this, some more – News on this and a resolution to before the end of the regular season because those kids deserve to know who their coaches are going to be in the playoffs. But uh, we are out of time for this segment. We got to take a break. So, who you got is up next. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. We are the Making County High Cheerleaders, and you're listening to
3: the 615 Preps Podcast.
1: Woo! Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast, it is that time of the week again. Who you got? It's a shorter slate this week, but there's no shortage of actually good games on the schedule. So let's just dive right in. First up, Centennial at Page, Christian.
3: Centennial, they had a heartbreaker last week. Lost double overtime to Franklin, 42-41. They went for two at the end, and that loss really hurts their playoff chances. This is a team now that they're on the back end of that region. And you know what? Page coming off of a huge win against Summit, I really like Paige's defense. I think their defense will be too much for the Cougars in this one. I'm going to go Paige.
2: Yeah, you know, they've had a common opponent, Shelbyville, which Paige won that game and Centennial lost. They also had Siegel, but they both came out on top. I like Paige's running back, Bubba Johnson. I think he's a force of nature, and I think Paige wins this game.
1: I think Centennial can keep this close just because, you know, they, they're probably a little bit upset over the loss to Franklin, mm-hmm. but I think Paige has more firepower, and I think that they'll hold on for this one as well. Uh, next up, let's go to Montgomery County. Clarksville at Kenwood.
2: Uh, Kenwood desperately needs to get out of this two-game spiral. A loss here uh, is, you know, could cost them a playoff spot with the last week's loss against West Creek. Clarksville, on the other hand, you know, they can vault to the three spot with a win and a West Creek loss. This is really tough. Uh, Kavarius Moody with Kenwood—he's electric. He can put up points, but their D gave up lots of big plays. I'm going Clarksville.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Kenwood just struggles getting points on the board. They're averaging 19 points a game. And, you know, at Clarksville, they've won their last three contests against Kenwood. This one at Kenwood. And as you bring up, Clarksville, one of three teams in Region 7-5A right now with a 1-2 and two record. So a win here really boosts your odds and can boost Clarksville up those standings. And I think that's why I like them in this matchup.
1: I'm going to take Clarksville. The loser gets their third region loss, and though it's not a death sentence, it's close to it. Uh, I I like the team that's been able to score, and Clarksville has been that team so far, so I'm taking the Wildcats here. Ravenwood at CPA on Thursday night.
3: You know, at CPA, they they play up for their region games for some reason. They haven't won a game in non-region, and they've done all right in their region games. Interesting to see, you know, all the news around Ravenwood – Last week, you know, Coach Daniels put in his game plan. He installed all that before he wasn't there. Let's see what they do. If he's not back this week, how that team's able to game plan for a tough CPA team. But, you know, what, I think until I see that offense really stalled, i got to go with Ravenwood, all that talent.
2: Yeah, you know, CPA continues to gain experience. They line up against good teams. You know, their regular season just doesn't matter. And, and this game really, in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't either. But – I think C.P.A. will play them tough early, but, you know, Tony Rice, Andrew Mason, Garcia, that's just a lot of firepower, and their size, size, speed, and depth is going to be too much. I'm going
1: Ravenwood. With the whole situation around the coaching staff and what's going on with their current suspensions, I wouldn't be surprised if Ravenwood rallies around that and really just jumps up and – and plays their best ball. They really showed it last week at Dixon County, and I think they'll do it again at CPA. I'm taking Ravenwood as well.
3: But I, I think that's the interesting point that a lot of people don't that don't recount or, or think about from last week is that they were there till Thursday, and then you stick the interim out there. Yep. If, if he's not back this week, it's all on the interim.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Next up Rossview at Lipscomb Academy.
2: Well, Rossview, you know, they have losses to Clarksville out, Juliet and Wilson Central. You know, their best win, in my opinion, is a win against three and three Laverne. You know, Nick Harbors a quarterback, their offense, he didn't play against Mount Juliet, so I'm not really sure what their offense is about. Lipscomb has to be smarting from the mistakes they made against CPA, and this is a good game to get right against. Luther Richardson has bounced back from a bad game before. It's too much firepower for the Mustangs.
3: I, I saw Ross last week at Mount Juliet on Thursday night, uh, they stuck with Mountain Juliet. They were down 17 and, and Mountain Juliet scored the last minute to go up 17-7. Uh, Gabe Seibert, their quarterback, got injured in that second half. They were playing well, but you know what? You're catching Lipscomb at a bad time. They scored yeah. seven points against CPA. That's their fewest all year. I think Trent Dilfer, he's going to have some things to work on in practice. First time in a long time. I like the Mustangs.
1: Yeah. I, I want to see how Liskam Academy responds from that loss to CPA. They got punched in the mouth, and they got to do something about it, and then this is the week for them to do it. I'm taking Liskam Academy to do just that. Let's go to uh, some Friday night games. Trousdale County at Portland. This is a rivalry that goes way back to the 90s and before that. These two teams, now they have history together, but not recently. So this is going to be one of those games where you know it could be a real surprise. I think Portland might have the edge here being at home and having the firepower to hang with Trousdale County. But it's going to be close. I'm going to take Portland in this one.
3: Oh, wow. I disagree. Trousdale County has been a different team since they lost to Watertown. We talked about the five turnovers that game. Four games since the Watertown loss. They've outscored opponents 176-12. to 12. They just haven't been even really contested by anybody. In Portland's defense, giving up about 31 points a game – I think I'm kind of with you. It's going to be close, but I like Trousdale County in this one.
2: Yeah, I think Trousdale is riding the ship at the right time. Their defense is averaging, you know, I I mean, their defense is just really, really playing well. Uh, Portland has a great playmaker in Caleb Mandrell, but their defense is just porous. Trousdale County had 497 yards rushing last week. They're getting their offense back. Uh, I expect Jaden Hicks to have a big game. I'm going Trousel County.
1: I'm going to say Trousel County has not seen anything a quarterback like Caleb Mandrell, nothing close to him, and that's why I like Portland in this one. I think Mandrell's the difference in this one. Let's move on. Laverne at Wilson Central.
3: I just saw Laverne last week, and they got a big win against Overton, possibly just clinched the playoffs. They've all but done that in that region. And you know what? Wilson Central, they've got to get back on board. Started 4 and 0 Last, lost their last three, but there's a reason They've only scored 26 points on offense But when you're playing defenses like Mountain Juliet, Gallatin, Hendersonville You're not going to score a lot of points Laverne, not the same kind of level as defense And the Wildcats back at home I'm going to go with Wilson Central Because they've got to get some things stirring here Or they're going to have to or win some really big games down the end Just to get to the playoffs
2: Yeah, I would love to argue with you, but I can't um, Laverne still to me is an unknown they do have a great explosive back and Ray banner, but on the other side, Wilson Central, they've lost Soro, but like you said, look who they've played. Uh, you know, they've been in the, those games for the most part, really. And with two regional games remaining, they really need to come out healthy, but they need to get back on the winning side of things. I'm going Wilson Central.
1: This is a get right game for Wilson Central, and they'd better get right right now if they're going to have a chance to make the postseason. I think they do, um, like you said, Christian, the defenses that they face have been pretty tough. Laverne not necessarily at that caliber, but uh, Wilson Central at home, I like them in this spot.
3: And I don't think Laverne's got the kind of, same kind of size that Central has. And Central's seen yeah. a lot of big teams, as we mentioned, the last three weeks. So, right. I, I I agree with everybody. It's a time that they get right or they're going to be in serious trouble the last couple weeks. Yep.
1: Back up to Montgomery County, Springfield at Montgomery Central.
2: Uh, a win by Montgomery Central gives the Indians a good grip on a home playoff game. Now, LeKendra Sanders, he's a plow horse there. But Spring, Springfield's going to come back after a bye. They've got to end the season with four straight region games. So, you know, the next two weeks are the season. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to Springfield here. I think with Kevontae Hudson and company, they're going to have to find a way to finish drives. I think they will. Springfield's done pretty
3: well against Montgomery Central last couple of years. They won the last two. And last year, Montgomery Central lost by two. That was their only regular season loss. I think this time they get Springfield at home, and I think Montgomery Central gets a win.
1: Springfield may be facing a region championship game next week with Portland. They cannot be looking ahead at all. Uh, I think Springfield's the best team in this region, and I think that they'll prove it this week by beating Montgomery Central, so I like Springfield in that spot. We stay in that region, though, in uh, in Region 5 of Class 4, a White House of White House Heritage. These two teams desperate for a win.
3: Yeah, White House on a three-game skid since – starting 3-0. and uh, They've won the last two in this matchup, uh, but White House Heritage, season-low 27 points last week. That's pretty good if that's your season-low. They're averaging <laughs> right. 43.8 points per game. I just think White House Heritage is too, too many points for White House to stick around with, and I like uh, White House Heritage at home.
2: Yeah, the, you know, White House is struggling to stop offices in region games, and they're going to have to stop a high-flying Patriot offense here that has discovered it can pass as well as run. Yeah, right now, I just don't think White House has it right now. I think they're building towards the future. I'm going with the Patriots.
1: Yeah, I think the Blue Devils are about a year away from really contending in this region. Uh, Heritage, they have two one-point losses. They should be farther up in the settings that they are. So they're fighting for their playoff lives right now. I, I think they're going to be a desperate team. White House, of course, will be too, but – Heritage has shown that they can play with the top teams in this region.
2: How big does that one-point loss to Greenbrier loom over them? Yeah, it,
1: it's, it's bad. It hurts them right now. And they need this win, and I think they'll get it to make sure that it doesn't hurt them any further. But, uh, next up, Brentwood Academy at NBA.
3: I think this is the toughest game we're picking tonight, in my opinion. NBA won last year overtime. And I th- in this contest it has got to be low scoring. They played great defense the last couple weeks. But you know what, I think they're going to slow down Brentwood Academy initially, but good luck slowing them down for an entire four quarters. Brentwood Academy coming off of a loss, and you probably have to look way back in the past to see last time they've lost two in a row, and I don't think it's this week. I like Brentwood Academy on the road at NBA.
2: Well, how strange is it that Brentwood Academy, you know, four-time defending state champion Brentwood Academy, is in danger of not making the playoffs? I mean, that, that is, puts them in a really rare territory. And, and I don't know where their mindset is. You know, are they going to be looking past NBA in order to be ready and healthy for that Innsworth game on the 25th? That's, a, that, that's my question. NBA's defense continues to impress. It kept them in games they were never, you know, and they've never really been out of. So I'm going with NBA in this game.
1: I'll answer your question for you. They're not going to be able to look ahead against NBA because NBA will not let them look ahead. Uh, I think NBA is going to come back and hit Brentwood Academy in the mouth, and the Eagles will respond. And I'm taking Brentwood Academy in this spot because they really could have beaten Knoxville Catholic. They've got to have a bounce back now before they really need to have the bounce back, if that makes any sense. Brentwood Academy, for me, wins this game, and they start marching back toward the playoffs where they believe they belong. One more fra at bga
3: it goes right back to what we talked about last week and symptom Felter, we trust is he ready to go that's the question he hadn't played in three weeks yep. he got knocked out of the game they held him out mm-hmm. on a bye week you did that so he gets healthy all right but he hadn't played so you got to see him out on the field knock the rust off bga they won the last four in a row against fra fra hadn't won since 2015 I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. uh, Both teams put up a lot of points, and neither plays really great defense. I think in the end, though, BGA gets this win with Symptom Felter back on the field.
2: If Symptom Felter comes back, I think that that is beyond doubt the key to this game. And I, I do agree, it's going to be an aerial circus, just like you talked about. I think the team that runs is going to be the team that wins. And right now, I like BGA.
1: The good thing about this game for both these teams is that it is not for playoff life because everybody in that region goes to the playoffs. It's the only one that does. So it's not necessarily you're fighting for a playoff spot, but you want a home game. That's where this one really hinges. BGA wants a home game. They've played pretty well at home. Uh, And if Simpton Helter does play, and I think he will, then I think he's the edge in this one. So I'm I'm going BGA as well. So we didn't do a whole lot as far as going – out on a limb this week there weren't many lone wolves
3: what, what, what were the records did we get to that at the beginning we did not we did not, not yeah will do that right way, now yeah. I, so. I probably don't need let's, to be asking it's probably not let, mine
1: let's do that look at look at him look at him he's <laughs> popping his collar over here scott congratulations you won last week nine and one.
2: Ooh. Ooh, yeah don't yeah. thank me thank uh you know good fortune a dartboard and the teams that actually played where's the cap? yeah <laughs> i don't, don't want to talk about that
1: okay Forty two and twenty eight for the season. Uh I went seven and three last week, still in front forty eight and twenty two. Uh Christian four and six.
3: Yikes, I shouldn't have brought it up. Uh. <laughs> we, should, we should have just got out of here. You know, we, 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 hey. we
1: we 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 gave you every every yes. opportunity. Hey, I, hey, as a birthday present, I almost let you off the hook for that. But oh yeah, happy you birthday. did yourself in there.
2: Well,
3: I'm, I'm for the people. I want
2: to make sure everybody knows
3: you are
1: still above 500 for the year, though at 37 and 33.
2: And how did the people do?
1: Seven and three. Oh, huh, uh, they're, they're bad, still there there's still four games behind me. 44 and, and 26. Oh yeah. Sorry, so.
2: I gotta start I, listening to the people. I, 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 yeah, I was gonna. Say. I can't I, I can't get I can't get room to breathe. I did better, but still his ego. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about all that. There hey, there's a window open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, thank goodness. There's a window open. Oh man. Okay, good times. Anyway, that's all for us this week. Uh, next week we get back to a full slate of games, a large region schedule. We hit the stretch run next week, so it'll be interesting to see kinda how teams are coming back off their off their fall break.
3: Buckle up. Time to yeah. go.
1: Yeah. For Christian Capozzi. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. This is the Six Four Five Preps Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Long snapper.
2: Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media LLC.